0: Hello, Crossroads family and guests. We are so glad that you tuned into our podcast today. We want to let you know about our website, wherelifechanges.com. There you can find more about church events, ministries, and giving options. Check out Pastor Lee's blog at pastorlee.net. And you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at crcc underscore social. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash changes. We really hope that the message today would inspire, inspire, and encourage you to worship passionately, serve others, and share truth. Now let's jump into the message.
1: Amen. Amen. Y'all awake? God is good all the time. Got a couple of you. God is good all the time. Amen. I was, um, had an opportunity yesterday to go see my, my wife's aunt aunt carol and uh, she's been to church here a few times her and her husband eddie and uh, she's been battling cancer for a while now a number of years and she has come to this place now where she is on death's doorstep and so normally this very vibrant woman, always put together, always well-dressed, always has her makeup on, her hair done, everything. And she was in a hospital bed in her own room, in her own house. And uh, nothing done. Skin and bone. Lost all this weight. In extreme pain or overly medicated, one or the other. And is. We walked into the room and some of the family had already been in the room and I was out in the living room talking to her husband Eddie and as we as I walked in I was taken back and she was always a very thin woman but I was taken back at at how emaciated she looked and um she was sitting up and her eyes were closed and she was you got the sense that she could hear and some kind of consciousness, but not really. She couldn't interact. There was no talking back and forth or anything like that. And and as I walked in, uh, Amy was sitting there singing in the garden to her. And he walks with me and he talks with me. And... Um, the room was very quiet except for the singing. And you couldn't really tell if, if she could hear or not. But there, there seemed to be a difference as they sang and a little bit of comfort. And, and it reminded me of what I was talking about last week in this paradox of Christianity. Where Jesus says, come and follow me. I have a, a life planned for you. It is a life more abundant. It is a life that is good and wonderful. And, and yet at the same time, he says, as you follow me, take up your cross. And we know that even as we, we follow the, the path of life, following Christ, we are walking in a world of death. We live in a body of death. We're surrounded by death. And so there is suffering everywhere. And in this moment, this beautiful Christian lady whose outer beauty had now dissipated. But her inner beauty came forward. And she listened, barely able to hold herself up, almost as if the, the Holy Spirit was reviving her from the inside out and comforting her in her pain. And even as she sat there, and, and we don't know how, how much longer... She will be with us, but she was being refreshed, even as she sat in the midst of death. And this is the strange life that we live as Christians, where we are walking in this path of life, and God has said, I have this good life for you, and I have come that you might have life more abundantly, but as the Apostle Paul said, and he says, all day long we face death for your sake and And last week, we talked about how this this body of death and the creation of death, the groaning waiting for the redemption of the sons of man and so it's it's all of creation is under the curse of death, and sin is entered into the world and and so all of creation, whether you're talking about the natural creation that we look out and see that we call nature. Or my physical body, the creation of my physical body, it is all groaning, waiting for this day when Christ will return. And when he returns, then I will be made into my glorious body, like unto him, the Bible says, where there will be no more pain or suffering or death. And I will be in this place where I am fully in the presence of God. Not not that I see God in part, but I see him in full. And and so all of the struggles and everything that are going on here, they're difficult and it's hard to get through and it's hard to navigate. And the Apostle Paul uh, drew this picture for us last week of of how the pains are like the pains of childbirth. And even though it is suffering and even though it is difficult and, and you have the baby inside the womb being confined and restrained by this dark place trying to restrict its life and yet it is pushing and struggling and wrestling within the womb trying to break out and trying to have the life that it was intended to have and that is a life that we have on earth where we are trying to break free of the darkness and break free of everything that confines us and restricts the freedom that the Holy Spirit intends for us to have that we can enjoy life and live the life that God created us to live and find ourselves in that life more abundantly and darkness is all around there is this wrestling match and it's easy to get discouraged and what the Apostle Paul was trying to teach this is them. All of this suffering is working together for our good because it is making something. It is producing something in us. It is getting us ready just like a newborn baby will come after the pain, after the struggle that we have at this life and in this body of death, in this world of death, there's going to come a day when we shall be renewed and restored. And in between, and as we wait, we are constantly going back and forth between the valleys of the shadow of death and the mountaintops of of life And, and we kind of go back and forth, never knowing what to expect and what tomorrow holds and what news we're going to find out and what good things will happen, what miracles and what sadness and what disaster come upon us. And we never know what day it's going to be. And all of that is moving us and we're wrestling back and forth between this. And in the midst of it all, he is the God who sings. And I, I thought about Amy singing to, to Aunt Carol yesterday. And I thought about how a mother sings to the baby and the Bible says that God sings over us. So as we're in the womb of this creation, going through all the suffering, we are comforted by being near the heart of God. We are comforted by hearing the Holy Spirit as he sings over us and we are refreshed. And if we don't learn how to continually be refreshed, then the body of death that is all around us and the body of death in us will overwhelm us, and that's when you begin to suffer with depression and anxiety and all the mental anguish and struggles that we see. And especially during the holiday time, it's almost like a, a picture perfect uh, moment of what we're talking about because Christmas is the coming of Christ and the birth of Christ and this new life, the fulfillment of prophecy. And yet during Christmas is when people feel so far away from God and so alone and so abandoned and so uh, outside of the grace of God. And so you have this weird little thing where everywhere you go, you're hearing songs about this God who wants to be near us and God who is with us. And yet so many feel without God because of the nature and the body of death and all that is going around us. And we must be refreshed in order to survive. And God is the one who refreshes us. Amen. Today i want to go a little deeper into this, and instead of speaking of of the the death that comes of as a result of sin outside of us in our physical body as our bodies decay and 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 in the nature as as the creation is decaying, I want to talk about the the death that is in my spirit because of sin and the sin that gets inside of me and what it does and how can I be refreshed from that and and i'm going to get you to turn in john chapter 4 and we're going to look in two different passages today john chapter 4 is where we'll start and this is a very familiar passage to you it is when jesus meets the woman at the well and it is a very poignant moment in time where you have god meeting with one lady by themselves alone God broke all, all kinds of, of uh, cultural stigma by meeting alone with a woman. He wasn't afraid that she was a woman. He wasn't afraid to be alone with her. And, and, and this is a moment where they meet together. And this lady had had a difficult life, and we'll get into that. And, and Jesus comes, and, and the Bible says that he waits for her and offers her living water. Amen. He's offering to refresh her. And so in John chapter 4, verse 4, we begin to read. It says, Now he, being Jesus, now he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sakar near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. Now, as we get into this, the, immediately the Holy Spirit draws our attention to Jacob's well, and he doesn't just tell us the story, but he, he says, I want you to know where it's at because it's important where it's at, and he says, Jacob's well was there. It's near the plot of land that Jacob gave to his son, Joseph, and so I, I want to take you back just a little bit to a, another time, but I, it's a, it's another time where God meets alone with somebody. And so we're going to read about Jesus being alone with this woman and offering her living water, trying to refresh her from the consequences of her own sin and the issues of her life and and the things that she has done and finding refreshment from that. But then in order for us to understand it, the Holy Spirit says, I want to take you back to another time when God met a man all alone and began to deal with him in a new way. And and so we, we kind of get a sense here that refreshment happens when you're alone with God. If you don't know how to practice being alone with God, I don't mean you never go to church, but I mean even when you come to church, even when you're in a group of people together, you have to connect with God one-on-one, face-to-face, spirit-to-spirit. The depth of your spirit has to cry out to the depth of his spirit. You can be in church all day long and surrounded by people and surrounded by the religiousness of church, but unless you connect with him face-to-face, one-on-one, you deal with him on your level, wherever. You're at, then you're never going to be refreshed. And so many people go to church and they're surrounded by the living water in the midst of the living water, yet they never drink. Because you have to drink alone. I cannot drink water for you. Your mama can't drink it for you. Your daddy can't. You cannot live your faith through somebody else. You can't say, well, my wife is a good Christian. My husband's a good Christian. My granddad was a... You can't say any that. You alone have to know how to pray. You got to know how to sing. You got to know how to worship. You got to know how to connect. You got to learn how to get outside of your physical body into the spirit so you connect with the Holy Spirit because he is the living water that refreshes us and it has to be done alone, one-on-one with God. And if we don't learn how to just have that one-on-one connection, we're never refreshed. And then it becomes very difficult because we think, well, I'm crying out to God, I'm going to church, I'm reading the Bible, I'm doing all these things, but if you don't know how to connect one-on-one, it gets frustrating because we are under the impression that if I go to church, somehow I'll drink the living water. If I'm around other Christians, somehow I'll drink the living water. Churches are full of depression. They are full of suicidal thoughts. They are full of divorce. They are full of all the junk in the world. The issue is not being in the church. It's not being in a building. It's not even being in a group of people. It's about connecting with him one-on-one, drinking personally from that living water. Amen? Now, let's, let's get into the scripture. I want to get you to turn to Genesis 32. You can kind of hold your spot there. We'll go back to John 4 in a minute, but Genesis chapter 32. And, and to give you a little bit of context, you have Jacob. Now, the word Jacob means deceiver. It means supplanter. Uh, it means, uh, you know, supplant means to replace. And so here you have Jacob. Jacob had a brother named Esau. And if you remember, Esau was the older brother, and the older brother was supposed to have the birthright and the blessing. And Jacob decided that he wanted it. And so he manipulated his brother in order to get the birthright, which was a position of priest in the family. And then he manipulated his father in order to get the blessing that it belonged to his brother. And so after this happened, his brother wanted to kill him. He was so angry with him, and so he had to leave, and so he left. And, and when he left, the Bible says he lay down and laid his head on a rock in a very uncomfortable place place. Imagine sleeping on a rock, right? Imagine sleep. Some of y'all got a heart pill as you think it's a rock. I mean, sleeping on a rock. And and there in a very uncomfortable place, he has a dream and he sees a vision of the heavens open and angels ascending and descending. And he hears the voice of God saying, I want to be your God. And, And he makes this commitment to God and God makes a commitment to him. And so he finds God in a very uncomfortable place. And then he begins to try to follow God. And as he goes. God begins to bless him and he gets very wealthy. And then there comes a day when God says, I want you to go back to your brother Esau. And now he is challenged with something that he hasn't been challenged with before. And he's got to go back to the place where he is a liar. He's going to go back to the place where he's a manipulator, back to the place where he is a deceiver. He's got to go back to that place. And he has to deal with whatever consequences are there. And he is nervous and he is afraid. And so what he has been doing is he's been taking all of his money and he's been sending his money ahead in the form of gifts and other things like that. And he's been sending it to his brother, Esau. And the Bible says that he's trying to make sure Esau doesn't kill him. He's trying to buy his safety. And the Bible says as they're along this way that there comes a time When he's left alone with God. Let's read there in Genesis 32 verse 22. It says that night Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two female servants and his 11 sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Now, as we read this, we'll see the man was an angel. It was a representative of God himself. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. The man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Now, as we get ready to look at Jesus and the woman of the well, we are drawn back to this moment where God is left alone with God. And remember, Jacob was a supplanter, which means to replace. Jacob, in one way, was trying to follow God. He had had this moment at, at Bethel where he, he laid down on a rock and he had this vision and he committed himself to God and he's been trying to follow God during all this time and, and yet the word uh, supplant, it means to replace. And so before this moment, before he ever committed to God, he had a way of supplanting God. So instead of going after the good life, instead of saying I, I'm going to try to go after God that I can receive the abundant life, he tried to do it himself. He was his own source. He was his own source of wealth. He was the, his own source of, of happiness. He, he said, well, my brother's gonna get all that, so I have to manipulate. I gotta cheat. I gotta deceive in order to get that. And, and so he, he is, he, in one way, he is a follower of God. And yet in another way, he is a supplanter. And so now he's coming back. He's about to meet his brother. He's trying to follow God, trying to do the right thing. And yet once again, instead of trusting God, he's trusting his own money. And so instead of doing what he is supposed to do, he is trusting his own money, sending his money ahead, trying to buy his safety. And, and so here he is in the middle of all this, trying to figure out all this stuff. And, and, and then a man shows up. Now, I don't know about you, but if I were to suddenly see this glorious eight to ten foot giant man with wings, I'm going to run and hide. I'm not going to be in the mood for a wrestling match. I'm going to get out of there. You know, every time angels would appear in the Bible, not every time, but most of the times, immediately the angels have to say what? Do not be afraid. Why? Because they are scary. This is a supernatural being full of glory and wings and power, you know, and I imagine kind of, you know, massive uh, beings that, that are potent and powerful. And so it says a wrestle. I don't believe that Jacob saw that thing and says, come on, let's get it on. I think Jacob wanted to try to escape he didn't know what to do and so the fact that they ran, they wrestle is because the angel came after him the angel came after him. So here you have Jacob. Jacob's trying to live for God, and yet he's still a supplanter. He's still doing the same stuff. And so whenever you're trying to be your own source and you say, well, God God has said, I have come to give you abundant life. And then you say, well, I know how you're going to give it to me. And so rather than trusting God, letting God do it his way, I go out and I get. I go out and I get what I want, get what I need, whatever means it takes. If I have to get loved, then I'll manipulate, I'll deceive, I'll cheat, I'll do whatever. I do to get love. If I want to have success, then I'll cut corners and I'll shave off the profit. I'll do this or that in order to find success. If I got to grease some palms, if I have to cheat people, if I got to be a little bit dishonest, whatever it is, I'm going to get what I want. God said that he has come to give me life abundant but then when I go after it my way and I become my source, it's this weird little thing because I'm saying in my mind, in my conscious, God is my source and yet at the same time I'm doing things my way, and I've become my own source. And here you have Jacob in the middle of that, and he wrestles, and the angel comes to him. Whenever you are your own source, there is always going to be a consequence. There, There are times when your sin creates Problems, creates issues, creates consequences, and then we have to deal with it. Now, because you're trying to follow God, the Bible says that the problems that we face, the consequences that come are not condemnation, for there is now no condemnation, amen? But it's discipline. And so we have to discipline, and we have to be disciplined by God. And so we have to deal with the consequences, and God is showing up to Jacob saying, I'm not pleased with how you're dealing with this. This is not the way I want you to deal with it. You're not trusting in me. You're trusting in your money, you say you're following me, but you're not saying but you're not actually following me and, and so there was this wrestling match and it's at night and and so there was this dark place where Jacob is trying to say, "I want to have the abundant life you call me to have." God is saying, I want you to have it as well, but you have to do it through me, and if you don't do it through me, it ain't going to happen and just so you know I'm going to touch your hip. And just with a quick touch, his hip is knocked out of socket just so that he knows God's still in control. Amen? This is what we do. We say, yes, God, I'll follow you. But then we decide how. Yes, God, I trust you. But then when God asks us to do this, we do that. He says, "I, I am the way and the truth and the life. If you will follow me, then you will find the abundant life. You will find all that. If you will simply just trust me. Well, how do I trust you, Lord? Well, forgive those who have hurt you, seven times 70. That's a little hard, Lord. How about three times? Trust me, trust me with your money. I want you to be generous and give your money to those in need. Give your money to fund ministry. Give your money to, to help people. Well, how much you want me to give? Well, I want it to be a sacrifice. Well, if, how about 20 bucks? Well, I, I want you to have this this good life, and God, I want to have this good life, and and so how do you have it? Well, you need to continually meet with me. You ne- need to have a a lifestyle of worship, a lifestyle of sacrifice, a lifestyle of praise, and so do not give up meeting together with the saints, and make sure you get your daily bread, and, and make sure that you take communion, and when you pray, and when you fast, and you need to have all of this, well, Lord, I, I wanted the good life, but I don't have time to go to church all the time, and I don't have time to read all the time, and I don't have time time to do all that stuff and I'll get to it when I get to it when I get to it and so I'm trying to follow God I say I want to follow God but I'm really trusting myself and i become my own source And in the end, we see Jacob and he realizes that if he keeps going down this path and God is wrestling with him and pressing him and he touches the the socket of his hip and it is is knocked out of socket so easily, Jacob realizes in that moment, if I don't do it God's way, it ain't going to happen. And the scripture says he takes hold of the angel and he says, I will not let go of you until you bless me. In other words, you're the only thing that I need. I don't need anything else. Because the angel wasn't saying, you can't keep going. The angel wasn't saying, I'm going to stop you dead. The angel wasn't saying, this is the end of your life, the end of your days. The angel was said, it's daybreak. It's time for you to go. And was going to let him go on, just like when the Israelites had sinned against God and and God said, well, y'all go ahead and go, but I'm not going with you. And there was this realization from Moses, and he says, unless you go with us, we ain't going. Because if you're not with us, it ain't going to work. And and Jacob has this realization that I know you're going to let me go, but But if I go and keep living like this, I'm never going to have all that you want me to have. I'm never going to be all that you want me to be. So I'm going to take hold of you. I'm not going to let go of you until I know that I know that I know that you're with me. Amen. And the angel said, you're different now. I can no longer call you Jacob, the supplanter, the one who feeds off his own source going after the things of God his own way. But now you will be called Israel. The word Israel means that you have prevailed with man and with God, but it also means that you are now a ruler and a prince, and that you're wrestling between the power that you have over people and the power that has been endowed to you by the King. And he says, you're, you're not going to be Jacob. Jacob's always trying to get. I, I need, I need, I need. Give me this, give me this. Very self. He didn't care about his brother. Didn't care about his father. Didn't care about his mother. Left everybody, abandoned everything long as I get mine. And when he sat there and he wrestled with God, and he took hold of the angel and said, I will not let go of you until you bless me. And the angel said, now you're different. Now, instead of being the one just trying to get everything, trying to be selfish and always going after what you want, however you got to do it, whatever you got to say, and just to get yours. Now you're going to be a servant. You're going to be a servant of the most high God. You're going to be a servant of the king of kings, which makes you a prince. And as a prince, everything the king owns belongs to you. So all that you desire, all the things of this abundant life, it is now yours, but you're going to live your life different. Instead of trying to get, 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 you're going to give, give, give. And he's different. different. And the scripture says he got up the next day and he went and met his brother face-to-face, didn't worry about any more money, didn't do anything like that. God protected him. And then it says that, that he went into town, he bought a plot of land for 100 pieces of silver and he erected an altar and he named that place El Eloi, Israel, which means Israel's God is mighty to save. This scene of a wrestling match is where we find Jesus... Meeting with the woman at the well. Let's go back to John chapter 4 now. It says, when a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you're a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I won't get thirsty and have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, this was a picture of her life. And she was going back and she was trying to get the life God had for her through men. One man after another after another after another and her soul is thirsty and she says to jesus give me this water so that i won't be thirsty and jesus helps her begin to understand this is really about your spirit he told her go call your husband and come back i have no husband she replied jesus said to her you are right when you say you have no husband the fact is you've had five husbands and the man you now have is not your husband what you have just said is quite true So the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. And Jesus declared, I, the one speaking to you, am he. And so we had one wrestling match. Now in the very same place, we have another. Isn't it something where we tend to wrestle with God in the same places over and over again? Always with the same, different people, different circumstances, but it's the same stuff. We're still trying to get, and we live life trying to get what God has planned for us. And, and, and here we are, and, and so we, we see this, and, and this woman is thirsty, her soul is thirsty, and you begin to see she's trying to do everything that, that God wants for her, but instead of her being her own source, she is going from one man to another to another, always trying to find happiness, always trying to find joy. Now, when you are living like this, your whole mindset, you, you have a perspective of the world, what do people need to do for me, what do people need to give to me, what do I need to get from people? In order to be satisfied, in order to be have this hunger and this thirst for life satisfied. And the problem is it always leaves you thirsty. But Jesus is called in the scripture the fountain. He is the source of it all. Amen? He is the source of it all. When we take hold of him and say, I will not let go of you until you bless me, then our soul can be satisfied. Amen? Are you wrestling with God? Are you in one way saying, I want to follow you, I want to follow you, I want to follow you, but in another way, when you don't get what you want, you use your your temper, you use your manipulation, you use your your body, you use your mind, your intellect, and you're trusting in your own money, your own personality, your own position, your own this, your own that, trying to do what only God can do. and And there was a wrestling match going on in your spirit. this is the wrestling of the baby in the womb trying to break free, but there has to come a time when we say, I will take hold of you and I will not let go of you until you bless me. Amen. Now, when we make that switch from Jacob to Israel, and when we start living our life instead of trying to get, but being a prince, being a servant of the king, refreshing comes. You see, what he's trying to say here is, how how do I take hold of God and, and, and say, I will not let go of you until you bless me? How do you do it? What is the mindset? What is the difference between Jacob and Israel? What's the difference between being thirsty in my soul and being satisfied? The difference is being a person trying to get and a person always giving. And when we give, we are refreshed. Amen. This whole thing between Jesus and the woman, what, what did he say? He, he waited for her. He wait. So the whole thing is Jesus saying, I want to give you living water. I want to give you living water. I want you to be refreshed in your soul. That's what he's saying to us. I want you to be refreshed, to have inner peace, to have joy. Wherever you're going through, whether you're in the valleys of the shadow of death, the mountain peaks of life, wherever you are, that you are refreshed, that you are renewed. And, and what he's trying to teach us here, you got to hold on to God no matter what. And what is the mindset of that? Don't live selfishly, but live selflessly and the scripture says that Jesus got to the well he didn't get a drink himself he waited and when the woman arrived he said will you give me a drink that's it right there that's it Jesus is saying when you give me a drink then you will be refreshed as you've done unto the least of these so will be done unto you As you have ministered to me, I will minister to you. As you have refreshed the people that I love, I will refresh you. That switch has to be made. And when we do that, then he becomes our source. He becomes our fountain and everything changes. Amen. I want to challenge you today. Don't be Jacob anymore. Don't be Jacob following God, but not all the way. Don't be Jacob, but be sel- and, and still be selfish. but let God transform you from a selfishness to a selflessness then your spirit is going to continually be refreshed. Even in this body of death, even when the problems go wrong, everything is bad, you're going to learn how to give to people when you don't have anything. Give to people when you're in a tough place, when you're in a dark place, when you're fighting with your spouse, you give to them. You give to them. When you're having a hard time with your children, you give to them. When you're having a hard time with people, you forgive them and you give. And when you become all about helping other people and refreshing other people, you're giving Jesus something to drink then you will receive living water amen stand up and let me pray with you this morning heavenly father we give you praise and glory for you are a great great god and you are our source lord help us this morning to worship you as the source is the fountain of all life lord help us to be transformed and be changed by your holy spirit Lord, we ask this, that you would move right now in our spirit as we worship you. Let us worship you alone. Let us focus everybody out and just connect with you and receive from you. And Lord, transform us and make us a giving person. Not angry, not bitter, not demanding, not critical, but forgiving, graceful, loving, a kind person. Help change us, God, where all we want to do is give everything away refresh you that we might be refreshed. In Jesus' name.
2: day.
0: some praise. Pour out your praise. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this service. We thank you for your word, your truth. thank you for your life, your living water. Refresh us, Lord. Help us to commune with you, to get into your spirit, to spend some alone time with you. We believe that in that you will refresh us. We love you and we praise you. And everyone said together, amen. Amen, amen. Thank you guys for worshiping with us today. If it is your first time here or you are a guest, we want to welcome you to the Back Welcome Center. We have a gift for you. We want to get to know you. We do have baptisms coming on in the second service. So if you want to stick around and support those individuals who are publicly proclaiming their faith in Jesus Christ and being baptized into this body of faith. You can do that. You don't have to, but you can do that. Just want to invite you. Y'all have a great day in the Lord and be
1: blessed. Amen. I just wanted to say thank you for your time and listening today. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to hit that subscribe button and share us with your friends. Also, remember to follow us on social media. If you ever find yourself in the area, we would love to see you on a Sunday morning at 1040 a.m. Thank you again, and we'll see you next week.